I'm Amanda Olberg, Managing Editor of Education Next. We invite you to join this week's Education Next podcast, available online Wednesday morning each week at educationnext.org. Should we pay teachers more? Should their pay vary with their effectiveness? Should we abolish teacher tenure? Those are among the topics examined in the 2016 Education Next poll, released on August 23rd and available now at educationnext.org. I'm Marty West, Editor-in-Chief of Education Next, and joining me today to discuss the results of this year's poll related to teacher policies is Paul Peterson, the journal's senior editor and the lead author of an article describing the poll's findings. Paul, thanks for joining me again today. Well, Marty, thanks again for inviting me on your podcast. So let's start with what the public thinks of how teachers are performing. Do they see a problem that policymakers need to solve? Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because uh, we, we asked uh, the general public and we also asked teachers uh, how, how, what percentage of the teachers uh, would you rate as being excellent, as being good, as being satisfactory or unsatisfactory? And, and those are the exact categories that are used in lots of states as part of evaluation systems now. So, you know, if, it, it would be just so, sort of like applying the same evaluation scheme that's formally being used in different places. And when we do that, we find much higher levels of identification of unsatisfactory teachers uh, among the public and among teachers themselves uh, than these formal systems of evaluation that have been set up. These formal uh, systems of evaluation are showing basically 1%. I think one state it was 4%, but that was an outlier. That was unusually high. Usually only 1% of the teaching profession is identified as unsatisfactory. But And these are from states, we should say, that have devoted a lot of energy to trying to upgrade their teacher evaluation systems over the past several years at the behest of the Obama administration uh, and uh, a broader reform movement to really try and overhaul teacher evaluations. Um, and looking at 19 of those states, we see no state identifying more than 4% of teachers uh, as unsatisfactory. Yeah, and then these are the leading cutting edge states, as you said, and uh, we're not talking about the laggards here. And, you know, this idea has a lot of support in leading uh, circles, uh, especially in the U.S. Department of Education, but more broadly than that. And so 1% or, or at most 4% are identified as unsatisfactory, but the general public thinks 15% are. And teachers 10% on average. Yeah, and, you know, the public general public, maybe they don't really know, although parents also identify about 15% uh, as uh, unsatisfactory. Um, but when teachers say one out of 10 teachers, uh, you have to say, we need to have perhaps a better mechanism for identifying who our good teachers are and a better mechanism for identifying who are the ones that we really need to focus on and do something about. We also find on average that the public and teachers rate about two-thirds of teachers excellent or good. So there is some degree of satisfaction with a bulk of the teaching workforce. And actually, that's where some of the new evaluation systems have uh, succeeded in producing some variation in the ratings that teachers receive. So distinguishing between those who are truly excellent and those who are only good or satisfactory. 
um, it seems like where more work is needed is being honest about where performance really does. Yeah, need and to I don't improve. know what the percentages are there. I don't know. Do you know what the percentages are uh, that rate excellent on these formal evaluation schemes? Because what we find here for the general public is they say about a quarter of them are. The teachers themselves say about a third of them are. How do, how do these formal evaluations? It varies that, a lot from state to state, uh, but uh, some of them have really succeeded in in drawing more distinctions. Of course, this is sort of as compared to the binary, either satisfactory or unsatisfactory systems that were in place, you know, uh, virtually universally as of five years ago. Um, and so I think there has been progress made in helping to pick up some of the variation that we know does exist, uh, but really more work needs to be done at the bottom end to really bring those systems in line with what the public and even teachers are perceiving. Well, I think this is a, a good point because actually, you know, it's absolutely incorrect to think that the public doesn't think that a majority of the teachers are good to excellent teachers. We, that's very evident in the data. The public thinks a majority of the teachers are good to excellent, and they, and they think that a, a very high percentage are at least satisfactory. So we're talking about a small percentage here when we talk about uh, unsatisfactory performance. We're talking about 15% or 10% uh, as identified by the teachers themselves. So the, the question really comes up with, well, then how, what do you do about tenure? Do you really want to have tenure? And so we, it's not surprising that the public says that um, we actually, you know, two-thirds of the public think uh, that uh, teachers should not have tenure. Um, and we have found pretty stable opinion uh, in that respect over, over time. And in fact, uh, opposition to teacher tenure has actually increased over the last uh, four or five years. Yeah, by 10 percentage points since 2013. So that's a fairly substantial shift in public opinion with uh, support for getting rid of tenure at an all-time high. Now, I don't know, maybe you have a thought on this, Marty, but uh, you, there, we have had a lot of news coverage of this topic. The court case out in California, uh, the Vagara case, uh, where the early decision was that California has a tenure law that's a violation of the Constitutional Equal Protection Clause. Uh, now we have a higher level court overturning the lower level court. Uh, but you know, in some sense, all that discussion in the courtroom, it may not make that much difference what the courts are deciding, because in the court of public opinion, there may be some shifts going on that could have some political consequences. Yeah, I'm not sure that I would be willing to attribute the change that we've seen to the coverage that the court cases have generated, but I can't rule it out, certainly. One of the things we do know is that there is a partisan divide on that question, so uh, perhaps not surprisingly, Republicans are much less supportive of the concept of tenure than are Democrats. Um, but even a majority of Democrats are opposed. Where the real opposition to that change comes from is from uh, teachers. Two-thirds of teachers still express strong support for uh, teacher tenure. And more, more support than ever. I mean, a teacher, uh, a higher percentage of teachers want tenure today than in the past and uh, a lower percentage of the public. So you're getting a, a broader divide there. Now, what you would imagine in terms of policy is more like it may be harder to get tenure in the future. I mean, it's been pretty easy to get tenure after a couple, three years of teaching in many parts of the country, you can get tenure. It may be a little more, uh, more problematic. You know, one of the things that uh, Caroline Huxby has always said about colleges and universities 
when you get tenure at a college, and you've, been, you've gone through a very long process before you get vetted and you get tenure. And maybe we need to think about tenure in that regard at the, at the uh, elementary and high school level as well. And then we might see higher levels of public support for it. And then you would possibly get higher levels of support for it. Right? So let's turn to other strategies that have been put forward to try to address uh, problems with respect to teacher quality. And one of the you know most longstanding, most debated proposals is is merit pay. So what have we seen with respect to merit pay uh, support for it among the public over time? You know, it's very stable. Of those who take a position on the issue, you get about two-thirds support, 60% support in favor of uh, merit pay. Teachers, of course, are very opposed to it. Uh, only about 20% of the teachers support it, of, uh, of those taking a side. So there's a huge distance, a bigger distance on this than any other issue, I think, uh, between the teachers and the public. Uh, there's not that much of a partisan divide, actually. You know, Democrats as well as Republicans think that you should be paying the good teachers more. Uh, so there's a lot of political support for this idea out there. I'm not sure that this is as dead in the water as sometimes you think when you hear the uh, decisions that come down from uh, – uh, school districts as to what the pay schedule should be next year. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of support for the concept of merit pay. I think where the things get complicated is when you try to put forward a specific proposal to try and uh, sort of uh, enact the concept in, in real life. We ask people about their support for paying teachers in part based on how much students are learning. In the past, we've made it explicit that it would be how much students are learning as measured by state tests. That doesn't seem to make much of a difference. But I think once you sort of get down to the uh, point in the process where you're putting forth a specific proposal, it becomes a lot easier to try and poke holes in uh, sort of the technical aspects of the proposal. I think that's right. And, and the other thing is, is that teacher unions make this the number one issue. I mean, we tend to think that teachers uh, unions are uh, opposed to choice, they're opposed to charters, they're opposed to vouchers, but what they're really opposed to is merit pay. Uh, they are very uh, committed to putting everybody on a common pay schedule except for experience and for credentials. And uh, support for teachers unions has not eroded. We see as much support uh, among the public as in the past. If anything, it's trending upward. Uh, and it's trending upward even more so, more obviously, among teachers themselves. So, so that's the unions ask. cannot be uh, identified as the bad guys. Yeah, I, I find that really interesting. Uh, we ask whether unions are having a positive or a negative influence on the performance of schools in the U.S. And um, I think for a little while we had seen some slippage in the image of teachers' unions uh, but that seems to have recovered. I think there was an idea a couple of years ago that the unions had really lost a lot of credibility with the public, but that certainly doesn't seem to be the case now and certainly doesn't seem to be the case among teachers themselves. Yeah, if you look at the period between 2009 and 2012, you see sort of a very slow erosion of support for teachers. But if you look at from 2013 down to the present, you see a slow recovery of it. So that really the level of support uh, looks about as high as it was back in 2009. And uh, the trend is uh, on the side of the unions. And of course, one of the things that unions advocate for, again, above all, is uh, increasing teacher pay. And they seem to be making some progress with the public in that regard as well. 
yes, you know, uh, the support for teacher pay uh, dropped uh, dramatically, as you would expect, in 2009 uh, when uh, everybody was frightened about uh, their own pocketbook and they weren't ready to give anybody else any, any extra money. They wanted it for themselves if there was anything floating around. So uh, 2009 is a big dip in public support for uh, increasing both spending and, and teacher pay. Um, but uh, teacher pay has, has recovered, especially among- I mean, support for increasing teacher salaries. Yeah, yeah, support for increasing teacher salaries has increased, and especially uh, if you don't tell them how much teachers are going to be paid. If, if you tell them how much is gonna be paid or how much they're currently being paid, then uh, support for increases drops considerably. So part of the enthusiasm for increasing teacher salaries rests on a false conception of what teachers actually earn currently. Well, people underestimate uh, expenditures at their local school by about 50%, and they underestimate uh, teacher salaries by about 30%. So when you tell them what they actually are in your state, we don't have the data by district for teacher salaries, but we, uh, but we have it by state. So we tell people, this in your state, the average teacher is gonna be paid X, Y, and Z. And when we give them that information, then the support level for increasing teacher salaries runs among the general public at about 40% instead of at about 65% uh, if you don't tell them that. So the public seems to me to be broadly pleased with the performance of most teachers, but to see a serious problem in terms of uh, a substantial share performing at unsatisfactory levels. They seem uh, supportive of proposals to reform or get rid of altogether teacher tenure. They're supportive of a merit pay, at least in the abstract, but they're also supportive of increasing teacher salaries. Which of these strategies do you think you're going to see policymakers moving towards over the coming years? Well, I think we're going to see increases in teacher salaries. I think um, that is probably something to be expected because I, I, I think uh, as, if the economy continues to improve, then we should expect the teachers to benefit from that. The teacher tenure issue is probably the one area where the reformers might have some uh, uh, opportunities to, uh, to press uh, and, and maybe persuade, not that you would get rid of tenure, but that you would modify so it's not quite so easy to, to obtain uh, a tenured position in okay. your elementary school or your high school. So you might see courts like those in the Vergara case, perhaps in other states, uh, sort of at least calling attention to the issue, maybe issuing decisions saying that what is currently in place is uh, unacceptable, um, and you might see new models of tenure come forward? It's entirely possible. Uh, the California case is still open, and there's other cases uh, uh, popping up, and it's not a bad strategy for school reformers. Well, thanks, Paul. Uh, we'll uh, continue to track these issues, uh, both in our survey. The 11th annual survey will be here before we know it a year from now. Um, and of course, we'll be tracking all these uh, issues in the journal over the uh, next year as well. So that's it for this week's episode of the Ednext podcast. Um, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your audio content. And while you're there, please take a moment to leave us a review. We'll be back next Wednesday 
with a new episode of the EdNext podcast. Thank you for tuning in to Education Next's weekly podcast, released every Wednesday morning. For more on education reform, visit us online, educationnext.org. <laughs>